Good evening. Hey, it's nice to be with you guys this evening. Obviously, I'm not Matt. I'm shorter version. But it is awesome to be here with you tonight. Uh, kind of a short notice, but um, what a blessing. What a blessing to come together and really retreat into the Lord tonight. It's really encouraging in the middle of your work week, right? Just to pause and just acknowledge the greatness of this God that we serve, amen? Yeah, it's always encouraging to get together and do that. He's a massive God, right? Full of power and majesty. I wanna remind you tonight that he's a God. He's a victorious God. He's a God that, through his son Jesus Christ, really won us the victory, amen? And maybe I'm up here tonight for... Maybe a reminder for some of you that he called us into this same life. It's a victorious life in Jesus Christ. It's not a life that we've been called into of defeat. And some of us uh, need a win. Some of us have been limping through life for a while. And trust me, um, I know life can deliver blows. can rain down some serious difficulty. Um, trust me, it's not lost on me. Nevertheless, he's called us to something greater. It's a win. So if you have been losing and you feel defeated in your spiritual life, I'm hoping that we can point ourselves towards a victory today. And, you know, also, there's probably a greater number of you kind of just live in a life of complacency. I don't know if you're like me. It's like the stalemate life. You know, as a wrestler, you know the stalemate? You get kind of tangled up and no one's progressing. No one's winning. And the referee breaks and he places you in a starting position where someone can have a chance to score some points. We're not called to a life of a tie either, of a stalemate. We're called into victory. And I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says this. It says, thanks be to God who has given us the victory in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So there's a lot of ways, I think, to win spiritually. I'm going to help you with what I do personally. I try to build a base. Sometimes we get cracked down. Life can beat us up. We can just get in our ruts, whatever it is, but you got to start somewhere. And for me, it always starts with appropriating, using it in my life, God's grace, his faith, and his forgiveness that he's offered us and given us. So more to the point tonight, not so much that his grace saved us because it, it did, or that it was through faith that saved us because it did, or that we needed forgiveness from our sins because he did, and we need those things for all eternity, right? But we need them today. We need to live our faith. We need to live our grace and our forgiveness. This is for living. So this is what I want to start with today. I want to talk about grace for living. Start there. And then we'll move to faith for living. Using in your daily grind. Could you imagine that? It's not something we just punch our ticket to heaven and, and put it away. We need to use it. It'll awaken us. And it'll head towards victory. I promise you that. And then finally forgiveness. So first is it's grace, grace for living, 
appropriated it in your life on a daily basis. I don't know if you've thought about this. You know, as authentic Christians, there's probably very few words that are more important to learn and get a good grasp on, a working grasp, than this word grace, right? However, it's, I mean, it's, it's how we get saved, right? Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, we were saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves, but it's a gift from God, amen? That's awesome. Listen, it's, a, it's an undeserved gift that God gave us through his son. You can never attain it by working or peddling towards it. Romans chapter 11, verse six, separates this work and this grace thing. It says, if by grace, it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace, right? They don't mix together. Listen, you can't earn grace. You can't work for it. You can't repay it. It's a gift. It's pure, unrecompensed kindness and favor. It's really God's love being manifest to his people, the undeserving sinners that we were. It's that indescribable gift of Jesus Christ that he gave us only after a righteous and holy God was satisfied. Amen? And we know that Jesus Christ did satisfy that holy God, right? In fact, the Bible says he's the propitiation or the satisfaction, if you will, for the world's sin. So that's how we're saved. It's really the acronym GRACE. That's how I learned it when I was young, right? G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. We're saved. Amen. I'm going to heaven. How about you guys? But what about today? What about tomorrow? What about when you get in a jam? Can you use this grace? Can you grab it? You see, grace is to be lived, and often we miss the fact that our lives should be ordered after grace. This, our, our life should be in a sphere of grace. We should be gracious Christians, amen? Instead, a lot of us spend our Christian lives driven by guilt, not by grace. We try to repay God with our deeds. We peddle our lives, and we spend precious time he's given us trying to win an approval that he's already given us. And when we do that, we show just how pale and shallow our understanding of pure grace is. Amen? Now listen, some of you guys know I used to wrestle. I don't so much anymore. When I try, it hurts. But I do do a little coaching. And I remember the first time I tried to coach my oldest son in wrestling. It was challenging for both of us. But I remember his first year wrestling, he made it to the state middle school wrestling finals, right? I was super proud of him. First year, he's in the, like the top 16 in his weight, in the, and we went up to Woodburn, Oregon, and we were, oh man, we had high hopes, high hopes. And we walked in there, and the first thing we did, we walked into that arena is, wow, look at all the merchandise. Gabe's like, those are awesome sweatshirts. And he just, I mean, wrestling went, he went right towards the sweatshirts, like, dad, those are so cool, man. And then he looked at the price and he's like, it's okay. I really don't need it. I, I, I got my own. So I'm going to go warm up. No problem. So then I looked at him. I was like, geez, wow. <laughs> Let's go warm up. Okay. So we go warm up. And of course, what did I do? 
you know, I snuck back out and I bought him a sweatshirt. Just wanted to bless him. Wanted to see his smile. I wanted to see him feel like maybe a wrestler, right? And so I bought it and I gave it to him and I got that smile. It was awesome. It's like, dad, thanks. You didn't have to do that. It was awesome. He's got his sweatshirt on. He's just swagging around, right? Well, high hopes turned into broken pieces because we didn't do very good. (laughs) He didn't win a match. And we got to leave the tournament early. (laughs) And we went home early. Lost two close matches and it broke his heart. And on the way home, one of the things I'm very thankful working with my kids, as hard as it is, is I've got to pick up the pieces with each of them. Oh yeah, we've celebrated together, but they don't need you when they're celebrating. You know, they need you when the wheels come off. And so it's a long drive. And I just, I'm trying to underplay the whole wrestling thing. You know, I'm his dad and everybody recognizes me there. I just, I didn't say a word. I just let him kind of unwind on that drive home. And he slowly started letting his frustrations go. He was just, it's kind of that, um, it's like he felt like he let me down or, or that he underachieved. And so he was super frustrated I could feel it. And he started, I let him just vent. And then, and then he said, and, and by the way, dad, I'm going to pay you back every dime for that sweatshirt. I just, wow. That's when the listening went to talking for me. I was like, hey, bud, you think I bought you that sweatshirt because of something you're going to do for me? Or some, like somehow you have to repay that? That was a gift for me. I wanted to bless you. I love you and you're my son and nothing's going to change that. It was a gift that I gave you. Don't try to repay it. It cheapens it. Just take the sweatshirt. And he threw the sweatshirt at me. I was like, hey, take the sweatshirt. Super frustrated. Coming out of his heart, he felt unworthy of the sweatshirt. He wanted to do something in his in his. In his ability to earn that, he thought that I, he didn't measure up, so he didn't think he was worthy of it. And I think a lot of times we're like that with God's grace. It's such an extravagant gift that he gave us, don't you think? Jesus Christ himself bled and died, conquered death, sin, death, and haste for you and for me when we were at our very worst. Sometimes what that does to a human is it says, don't worry, I'll pay you back every dime for that, for that gift. Just like my son. And I wonder what, I'll tell you what, it broke my heart. I just want, you know what I want you to do? Is take the sweatshirt and be thankful. And live a life of gratitude in lieu of that. I think that's what God wants. But instead we're driven by guilt sometimes. And frustration. When we choose, when we don't choose grace, we always get frustrated. Because you'll never ever always be worthy of grace. Amen. It's a difficult thing to do. We ought to simply just accept this indescribable, priceless gift in Jesus Christ. And trust me, when you do that, it'll change your attitudes and perspectives for the better. It will. You'll pick, it'll pick you up off, your, off the ground. You'll start thinking, I can take another step. It'll give you eternal comfort encouragement, and a good hope. Does it sound like I made that up? Because I didn't. It's a verse. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It says this, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself 
and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement and a good hope by grace. That's what it gives us when we just accept it. We realize we cannot repay it and stop feeling shameful. Just accept it and be thankful and live a life of gratitude. It'll change your attitudes and perspectives for the better. And listen, it'll start getting us to treat other people graciously. We can start using our grace. We can be gracious to ourselves and others. We see a bigger field. I've never, I've, I've never regretted in my life is treating people graciously. I have some regrets of nickel and diamond people. Showing them what it should have been and the way it should be and what the law says and with all this and that and tit for tat. And I'm telling you, I have regrets about that. I'll tell you what I never have regrets for is treating people with grace. I don't have one regret, not even one. And I think that's the idea. Grace is, it gets us to the point where we don't have to do something, but we get to do stuff. And it's a blessing. And I want to encourage us today. If we want to live a life of victory, it's at least got to in part start with us choosing to live our grace. Yes, acknowledge it for salvation, but see if we can put it into practice and appropriate it in our lives. If we want to live a victorious life, it starts by appropriating grace. Just take the sweatshirt and be thankful. Amen? Such grace for living here. Second one is faith for living. Now now listen. Um, Faith is more than just a vehicle that enables us to grasp our grace and our salvation, right? Remember, we're saved by grace through faith. It's more than the airplane ticket to destination salvation. It's more than that. It is that, right? But it's more than that. It's to be lived. In fact, it's a very sobering fact. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, it's impossible to please God without faith. That's sober. That's serious business to God, don't you think? That's serious business. You cannot please God if you're not living by faith. He wants you to walk by faith. Serious business. Remember our definition of faith. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, right? Faith is... It's always a hint that a definition follows, right? Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things you cannot see. So faith is this. It's, you know those things you're hoping for that God's promised you? It's what makes that real. Something you can grab. It's all the proof you'll ever need. That's what faith does. And it's a miracle when you can start using that in your life and you start walking by faith. I hope you're hoping for God's promises some amazing promises in this book if you dust it off and start reading it. How about one of my favorites? This may hit home with some of you, but that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Is that a good promise? It's not always real in our lives, is it? Sometimes we feel like, where's God? But when we take our faith, we draw our arrow of faith and we shoot it at that promise that we're hoping for, that God has given us, it becomes true. And I don't have to tell any of you who've been down in dark valleys and are struggling and you're going through stuff. You take that faith that God gives you and you just say, it's true. And it hits that promise and it supernaturally is true to you. 
It's all the proof you'll ever need. You don't need a formula. You have faith. Amen? He never leaves us nor forsakes us. If that wants to be a reality in your life, you got to use your faith. Sometimes I can feel, maybe I'm alone here, probably not. I can feel shameful, less than righteous. Anybody? Sometimes I can even feel rejected and a little bit abandoned in some situations. God's promised us that he accepts us fully in his son, Jesus Christ. No matter if you feel that or not, it's true. And it comes reality. You become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you take your faith and you shoot it at that promise that you are robed in righteousness, that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you are accepted in the beloved. You can't be any more accepted right now than you'll ever be. If that wants to be true in your life and real in your life, you got to use your faith. Amen? You got to use your faith. And when we use our faith, we start to use our spiritual eyes. Does that make sense? You see, you start to rightly recognize that seeing isn't believing, but that believing is seeing. Amen? That when we use our faith, it opens up a whole new spiritual realm that will blow your mind. That's been there all the time, but you haven't used your faith, so we can't live by it. It's like these hidden promises that they, sometimes when we go through the valleys, it opens up and go, whoa, Not, that's always there if we walk by faith. Amen? We start looking at people and ourselves the way God looks at them. That's what faith will afford us. And that's a key to life, by the way. You start looking at yourself and those others around you the way God views them. Then you're really seeing things. Amen? You're seeing it through his perspective. It's really a key to life, but I don't know about you, but it's hard to live by faith. I want to touch. I want to see. It's very difficult to walk by faith. We need to, we need to consider these things. You know, a lot of times we choose instead of faith, we choose doubt and discouragement and grumpiness. Anybody? Do we have any doubting Thomases in the crowd? You remember Thomas? He gets kind of a bad rap. Do you remember John chapter 20? It's a great little chapter and tells a story of our resurrected Lord. By the way, we say that our resurrected Lord, amen? He conquered the grave, Right? I mean, amazing. He said he was going to do it. But in that moment, to his friends, his disciples, when he showed himself a risen Lord, could you imagine? This is awesome. Well, he showed himself to some of those disciples, didn't he, in John chapter 20. Thomas wasn't there, though, the first time. And all of his friends went to Thomas and said, Thomas, listen, man, the Lord lives. He showed himself. We saw him. Mary saw him. We saw him. You want to know what Thomas said when they said that to him? He said to them, unless I see in his hands the prints of the nails, and I put my finger into the prints of his nails and put my hand in the, and put his hand in his side, I will not believe. He says what we say every day. 
What do we say? I'll believe it when I... Ha. That's a grumpy person. That's a doubtful person. And no doubt, that's a discouraged person. I say that. I can't believe how much I say that. Oh, you know what? I'll blow that guy off. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. It's Thomas. Have you ever said that? I've said that a lot. One thing I love about Jesus in this story is he makes himself available. He showed himself to Thomas soon after. Thomas, here I am. Put your finger right here, Thomas, where those nails spike to a tree. Thomas, put your hand right here. Thomas, come touch me. Put your hand in my side where blood and water flowed when I gave up the ghost for you, Thomas. And if you read the story, Thomas fell apart. Do you remember what he said? It is you, Lord, my God, it's you. You ever say that to God? I'll believe it when I see it. This is a hopeless situation. And then God shows up in your life again. He's like, here I am, Dan. You want to touch me and feel me? It's really pathetic on my part. I don't know about your guys' part. He keeps showing up. He keeps showing up. And I keep going, oh, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Listen, Jesus answered Thomas pretty sternly. Do you know what he said to him? He said, Thomas, you only believe because you saw. Blessed or happy is the man who believes without seeing. Amen? That's what I'm saying. Seeing isn't believing in the spiritual realm. Believing is seeing. It's all the proof we'll ever need. It's what opens your, your, your eyes to the great things of the Lord. And we ought to stop walking around discouraged and doubtful and grumpy because of our disbelief, we ought to cross the Jordan and get what God promised us through faith. Amen? We should use our spiritual eyes and believe that we may see. It can lead to freedom. That's what I've noticed about faith. That's what I noticed is that it frees a person up. Do you know that? It frees you up to see things they really, the way they really are. Free to partake in the many promises God has given you. It's free to live a life out of victory. Because really, think about it. Once you really believe with your faith in Jesus Christ, can you really lose? No, can, can we lose? And first of all, I had to work today too. Now, did I tell you guys I worked all day today? I kind of need a little bit more from, from you guys as far as person. I'm tired. Come on, give me some love here. I love Jack. He does it on Friday mornings too. It's awesome. He gives me the amens. I need some encouragement. <laughs> Listen, when you have faith, it frees you up. And I figured this out as an athlete. Figured out this. Quit worrying about winning or losing. Just go out there like you had already won. I wanted to compete out of victory. Guess what? Even when I lost, I won. It was awesome. I could not be conquered. Even when I lost, I was like, well, you know what? I was free. I wasn't worried about winning or losing. I wasn't worried about all that. I wasn't worried about living up to somebody else's expectations. I had no pressure on me. I was just free to wrestle. 
I had a coach that you, that's what, that's how he focused me before big match. He looked at me and said, hey, Vid, just go get your win. I'm looking at him, against that guy? I don't think so. He goes, no. Yeah. He already saw me as winning. He, what he wanted me to do is just go be me. Because he knew it was pretty good. And I go out there and wrestle my heart out. And most of the time I worked out pretty good. It was awesome. I was free to be me. And here's a newsflash. No one does you like you. I'm convinced this. I tell kids this all the time. God wants to be God in a unique personality called you. He doesn't change. He just wants to do it through you. And you do you. It's impossible for anybody else to do you. Let's put it that way. Amen? Faith leads to freedom. And it's something to think about. We need to go get our win. Listen, we need to choose faith instead of doubt and discouragement. Faith for living. We need to use it. We need to build a base with it if we want to have any kind of victory in Christ. So if we are to live the victorious life, it starts in part by using our faith to set us free to go out there and be us. Living out of victory, not doubting. Remember, seeing isn't, isn't believing. Believing is seeing, amen? The last one is forgiveness, okay? And I don't know. So Christians, isn't it nice to have forgiveness of sins? Anybody perfect here? No? Oh, good. Isn't it nice to be forgiven such a debt? These are simple words, people. Grace, faith, and forgiveness. We gloss over them because we have Christianese and we're just getting numb to it. But could you imagine the ledger that we have accumulated and tallied up with the sin and the shame and the dirty stuff we do and the rebellion against our king? Could you imagine if you listed that, what that would amount to? I'd hate to be my accountant because that's a big ledger. And it's forgiven the precious blood of Jesus Christ, he says those sins are as far away as the east is to the west. Amen? It's a miracle. It's a blessing. It's awesome. Forgiveness. Reminds me of that old hymn where they say like, uh, we owed a debt we could not pay and he paid a debt that he did not owe. That's Jesus. That's forgiveness. And it's a blessing. And it's a miracle in all those things. You would think, in lieu of that, as a Christian, we'd be some of the most forgiving people on all the planet. But I'm going to tell you something. It's a sad commentary, at least in my life. (laughs) In the people around me, it probably isn't true. We could be much more forgiving with each other. Amen? We really could. You would think, in lieu of what we've been forgiven, wow, It should be easy peasy, as the kids say, right? I haven't found that to be true. You know, I'm convinced that God gave me children sometimes to, well, maybe to give me gray hair, but to teach me about myself and about them and about things like forgiveness and grace and all sorts of things. But I remember one time my wife left me alone with the kids as a young dad. They were maybe, I don't know, they were little, six, four, maybe something like that, six and four, two boys, the younger one, Gabe, and the older one, Ryan. 
and she went on some retreat. I think it was an overnight deal. It was a big deal for her. I was like, how, are, how hard is this? I'm going to watch the kids. I mean, is this what you do? I mean, I'm going to work every day. You're watching kids? I'm like, evidently. Turns out she does a lot. That's what I figured out. <laughs> Turns out it was hard. <laughs> but I remember, I, I, the first, I, I said, hey, you know, what that meant to me is turn on Sports Center, get the paper, throw some toys, because they were six and four, let them have fun, and I'm doing my thing, and if they scream, then I, I react to it or something. I was sitting there, I remember at our table, and I just caught a glance out of this big plastic toy being hurled across the room with little brother letting it go in full form, and it just tagged Ryan right in the mouth, and blood everywhere, and before I could get there, I mean, the fur started to fly, I mean, it was full on, but I got there just in time and I separated them. I was like, what in the world? Gabe, what'd you throw that at him for? What are you doing? And he said, dad, he took my toy. I went back and got it and I made him bleed. That's just the way it goes. I was like, savage, wow. And Ryan was so mad and he wasn't as mad. He, here's what he was mad about is that he didn't get to pay his brother back because he was ready to pound. And I broke him up before he got to pay him back. I said, listen, guys, settle down here. Come on. Gabe, you say, tell your brother you're sorry. Sorry, Ryan. Ryan, you tell your brother you're sorry for taking his toy. Sorry, Ryan. Day went on. Hours later, after a full day, I just, I start the bath. I just throw them in there with a bunch of toys. They wash them up. They were a mess. I wasn't doing a very good job. I don't even know if my wife knows this story. So, oh, she's here. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. So I went to get some towels. They're both in the bathtub. I mean, water up to here. You know, I turn with these towels and I look back and I see Gabe playing with the, the duckies or And then Ryan just goes, bam, right in the face. Gabe falls down. There's blood everywhere. I thought Gabe was going to drown by the time I got there. I mean, the whole water was bloody and I'm pulling him out of him like... And Ryan stands up in the bathtub and looks at Gabe and goes, that was for earlier. <laughs> that was for earlier. Man, he was holding that in for like eight hours. That black little bitter heart all that day, just waiting for an opportunity to sock him right in the nose. That was horrible. That reminds me of me sometimes when someone crosses me. I make note. I'm sorry. And I go about my day, and the first opportunity I have to undercut that person, I do it. I mark him. Sounds crazy, huh? Stupid kid punching someone in the face, sucker punched him. That's you and I when we're unforgiving. And that little heart was black and bitter because that's what happens to an unforgiving spirit, you know? The Bible says that root of bitterness grows, spreads out, chokes you out. It is not a good place to be. Anybody had that choker on before? It is a bad place to be. It will quench any kind of victory you even think about having. We got to let it go. <laughs> Otherwise, we're in the prison of bitterness and torture. Did you know that? You guys remember the story in Matthew 18 about the wicked servant, the unforgiving servant? It's a parable, so really it's a story alongside a, a real story. And it's about a master, a Lord, and his servants. But it's really about our master, right? 
and his servants, you and I. And the story goes kind of like this. There's a servant that owes his master a lot of money. And, uh, you know, people, commentators uh, vary on how much money it was, but it was somewhere between 20 and 30 years worth of wages. So in today's terms, if you make 50 grand, if you're lucky to make 50 grand, that's a million bucks. Conservatively, that's about how much debt he owed. It's a lot. And so the master said to the servant, I'm going to sell you and your family and all your belongings. I'm going to take what I can get and get you out of here. I'm going to cut my losses. And you remember the story. The servant said, no, no, don't have mercy on me. And it said that the master had compassion. What a great thing. He had compassion. He forgave him his debt and sent him on his way. What a good master. Amen? Good master. And the servant went out that day and ran into someone who owed him a far less amount of money, like maybe a month's worth wages, maybe less. And he said he laid hands on him and not to heal him, but to sock him. Give me my money. He had just been forgiven a million dollars. And now he's sitting there about 20 bucks, shaking him and shaking him and shaking him. And the, his fellow servant said, have mercy on me. Forgive me. He said, no. And threw him in jail. Oh, but when the master heard how this wicked servant treated his friend, he wasn't happy. Let me read you his response. And it's important for us to get because it's the response that God gives us when we have an unforgiving, wicked servant in us. Verse 34 of Matthew 18, it says, and his master was angry. So when you have an unforgiving spirit, God is not happy with you. He was angry. And he delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. And Matthew goes on to say, so my heavenly father also will do to each one of you. For in your heart, you do not forgive his brother, his trespasses. Now, I do not believe that he sent this guy to hell, that we're all going to hell if we don't forgive each other. I don't believe that personally. I believe in the security of salvation. Once you're saved, you're in, you're double covered. But what I do think he does is he turns you over to your little black, wicked, bitter heart and he lets you have it. He just says, oh, you want to be unforgiving? Okay, defeat for you. You'll have it your way for a while. And those of us who haven't forgiven people, even here today, how does it feel? Do you feel like you're in a dark prison of torturers? I've, I felt so choked out by unforgiveness that it's just, it blinded me. And that's what happens when we don't forgive. We need to forgive others. Everybody needs forgiveness. Amen? And mainly, for us, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. You will be in the torturers. God will turn you over to your own black heart for a while. And he'll let you choke out with your bitterness until you come to your senses and forgive who you're supposed to forgive. So if you have someone in your mind today, now you got something to do tomorrow. It's really cool. It'll, trust me, be like a weight just lifted off your shoulders. Trust me. I've done it before. It helps. We need to forgive others as Christ forgave us. Amen? Listen, when we do this, we'll be free from our dark prisons of bitterness. And we'll be holding our chains high and undone. Amen? Listen, I hope that grace, faith, and forgiveness is something that we consider living 
yes, unto salvation, but day to day, treating people graciously so we're not frustrated, right? Using our faith, walking by faith, not by sight, right? So we're not doubtful, discouraged grumps, but that we can walk out and see things that no one else sees. We can see in the spiritual realm. Remember, from an eye doctor, this ain't it. It's your faith. Understand me? And then finally, if anybody has an unforgiving heart today, you might want to consider the debt that our God afforded us. It's about a million dollars compared to about 20 bucks. You might want to cut it loose. Cut it the heck loose. And I still have a $20 bill. It's in my office, pinned on my bulletin board. It has that verse written on it. Every time I start to hold stuff, every time I think about doing what Ryan did, sucker punch someone when they're not looking. Every time I start to feel that root start to grow, I look at that 20 bucks. I've almost tried to spend that. It's been there for about 10 years. Man, I need a coffee. I'm gonna grab that 20 bucks, but I don't. It's there. And I think it's gonna be there until I die because it's a reminder of me. Amen? It's good to be with you guys tonight. What a blessing. So Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your people. Um, people you've brought here, the families that they represent. I just pray that you'd bless them in a special way today, that you'd keep them safe. They would be free from frustration, doubt, and an unforgiving heart. I pray that you'd meet them right where they're at, Father. Thank you for your perfect word. I pray that it have its perfect way in us as we go on our way. So in the matchless name of Jesus, amen. Amen, guys. It's good seeing you.